1: Consequence Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Spark Parade, a show where I geek out with artists and entertainers about their cultural spark of inspiration. I'm Adam Ons, at Spark Parade on all social media. Thanks so much for joining me. It's the last Spark Parade of the year. Boo. But we all need a little break, don't we? and we're gonna go out with a bang. My guest today is singer Lockery, whose spark is Lauryn Hill's Career High 1998 album, The Miseducation of Lauryn Hill. Lockery is so warm and smart, and we had a great conversation, so get excited. Are you already excited? Then stay like that. Okay, quick Lockery facts. Toronto-based Liz Lockrey is a singer, songwriter, producer, and musician. Her sound was born out of the collision between her Indo-Trinidadian and Irish sonic mosaic and influences such as Sade, Alicia Keys, and Nelly Furtado. The result? Powerful and vibrant R&B marked by dynamic vocals that are framed within lyrics inspired by passion and personal growth. Lockrey's debut album, Elizabeth, is out… now. Quick Miseducation of Lauryn Hill facts, The Miseducation of Lauryn Hill is the debut solo album by American singer and rapper Lauryn Hill, released in August of 1998. It's a neo-soul and R&B album with some songs based in hip-hop, soul, and reggae. Its lyrics touch upon Hill's pregnancy and the turmoil within her former group, the Fugees, along with themes of love and God. The Miseducation of Lauryn Hill was among the most acclaimed albums of 1998, and at the 41st annual Grammy Awards, it earned 10 nominations, winning 5, making Hill the first woman to receive that many nominations and awards in one night. The album's success propelled Hill to international superstardom and contributed to bringing hip-hop and neo-soul to the forefront of popular music. And there you have it. Let's cut the shit and head to the main event. Here comes my chat with Lockree about the miseducation of Lauren Hill. Can you remember hearing the miseducation of Lauryn Hill for the first time, or being turned on to it?
2: I was in high school the first time I heard it. I think I was sixteen at the time, and I kind of came up singing like gospel music uh, in church with my mom. That was like how I was introduced to music in general, and really wasn't exposed to classics like this, like in the R and B and hip hop world, and Till I, you know, of course, went on my own deep dive of research, hmm. and you know, my sister was always listening to the Fugees, so I feel like I kind of heard her voice growing up. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't till I found, of course, this the miseducation that I was like, okay, this woman is someone that I want to emulate and kind of sort of idolized from then.
1: <laughs> right, right, yeah. I it's funny thinking about her time in the Fugees. I I don't know, like she's she has such a a distinct, incredible singing voice, but then she is also a really incredible MC. So it was like, it felt a little bit more like in the Fujis. I mean, with the, the first Fuji's album, definitely, but even with the score, the balance was tilted a little bit more towards being an MC. And so when this album came out, I think people were expecting maybe something that still leaned more in that direction. And this feels like it's tilted the opposite way that it's you know more focused on her singing and yeah like what what an incredible incredible piece of work
2: yeah I think she to, to your point about that I really think she like broke down the doors for artists feeling like they could do both mm-hmm. you know like uh, it makes me laugh when people point to Drake as like the first person to do that <laughs> I'm like like Toronto represent of course but you know, credit where credit is due, I think, you know, I mean, for women in hip hop, also for, yeah, that kind of diversity of expression, like to be such a quality MC and such a quality singer, like, I don't know if anyone else has done, done it to that level, really.
1: Right. And I I think in the 90s, it was still, pathetically, a female MC, like this is a novelty in the way that it, like a white rapper was a novelty. And we've obviously moved so so far past that i mean i think you know it's not like misogyny is done or it doesn't exist in the music industry especially in the hip hop world but you have people like you know lizzo's music is a lot more pop oriented than lauren hills is but you can see the legacy of what lauren hill did in in so many artists today that it's like being able to fuse different genres and really experiment and create your own personal style um, yeah, and I think she did that so well,
2: for sure, for sure. And I think, um, you know, that being said, the industry projecting kind of what they wanted from her as well is the reason why we never got another album. You know, mm-hmm. it's like she set this standard even for herself that she, you know, a box that she didn't want to live in. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, female artists, especially like female artists in hip hop, for sure, those expectations and those boxes still very much exists so it's almost like she was like a martyr you know for Mm. women in hip-hop really
1: and also kind of a cautionary tale like I think it's very hard for people especially now with how rapidly social media has kind of taken over the landscape in terms of the way that people get themselves out in the world that the goal for a lot of people is to get some kind of fame, some kind of notoriety. It's like the number of followers you have is really important, and broadcasting your message to as many people as you can is the goal. And it's it can be hard for people to understand someone who had the entire world at her feet, had won five Grammys, everybody wanted to work with her. The whole everyone was just waiting for whatever she would do next. And she just said, no, <laughs> like I'm, I, I, I don't want this.
2: Yeah. There's a beautiful quote from her around, around that. When people are like, why aren't you in the, you know, your, your clock is ticking. You've got a window, like what's going on. She kept coming back to this idea of like needing to live, mm. you know, she's like, I don't until I live my life and I have something to say, I'm not going to force it. You know, like the idea that she lived her whole life up until that album and then was expected to just go on tour and get back in the studio it's you know it's just incredibly inspiring for someone who's like trying to break through into this industry where it seems like the consistency and and people just want more and more and more from from artists all the time Mm. but it makes sense that you know without those lived experiences like what's the point you know what kind of impact are we making with what we're saying so i you know i i definitely look up to her for that reason too
1: yeah. And also just, like, what do people want from her? Do they want something that's watered down, that's, like, you know, produced because she feels the pressure to produce it? I, I mean, it makes me sad that, that it's nothing. <laughs> you know, it's it's not like um, yeah. it took her 10 years to put out an album. It's, like, you know, D'Angelo or something like that where there's huge gaps between albums. It was just, like, you know, I know there are a lot of other issues going around. She had five kids. She has you know struggled with mental health issues there's all of this other kind of stuff that's swirling around but at the core of it it was she chose a life for herself that was something that was going to make her happier than what she was experiencing with you know all of these people pulling her in different directions cameras focused on her 24 hours a day and yeah i think at the core of it it's just like that life was not for her
2: Mm mm-hmm yeah, I think if the landscape of the industry was a little different, like if, you know, if we could just let Lauren be Lauren and like mm. not put those uh, expectations on the art, maybe someone like her would still be willing to like give her gift and give her offerings. But, you know, I get it. It's like, it's just such a personal process, obviously, that she pours into her creation. It's not like she's going in there and telling somebody else's story. Mm -hmm. So to be like, I'm imagining, you know, to be critiqued then on just your truth, Mm -hmm. like, how do you, how do you do that and get shut down, which is kind of what happened with her follow up project, like, you know, didn't receive the same kind of support. I just, I can imagine um, that would be kind of disheartening too.
1: And like you said, all of this, the, the content of this album being so personal, Um, that it wasn't like she was you know it's not just just storytelling she's telling stories about herself and about some things that are really happy and some things that are really traumatic that she was going through at that time Mm -hmm. and thinking about the kind of um disillusion of the Fuji's and the like erosion of her relationships with both Wyclef and pros but particularly with Yclef, because they had a romantic relationship too, and putting all that into this album. And,
0: mm-hmm.
1: n- you know, I, she never – I don't think she's explicitly addressed it. I think Yclef has. But everyone knew what was going on and uh, having that kind of pressure too, that it's like you put this very personal stuff out into the world and 20 million people – buy your secrets um it's, it's like- <laughs> such
2: a crazy concept like and and the more secretive the more detailed you can get the better it is for people you
0: know mm. like
2: the more of your stuff you can just have on display it's like that's that's really what people are buying into so you know it's but at the end of the day i think it's like we forget that this is like a human being you know mm. we forget that this is someone who is very fragile the, the way all artists are like we're sensitive about our shit it's kind mm-hmm. of what what they say right yeah. but yeah such a, a beautiful all-encompassing coming of age story from that like love that we're talking about to loss to it blows my mind that I think she was 20 or 21 when she mm. was making this project yeah, yeah. like sounding like a 65 year old woman with some of that wisdom as mm. well I think just like the way it's crafted all the way down to those interludes of like the students in class learning about this concept of love. And in preparation for this conversation, I was like trying to think about like the sort of poetic implications that are happening there. And I'm like, I think, you know, the fact that it's not her voice, she's not there in class. It's like Lauren is absent, right. you know. And right. then and then it's like her voice, of course, being the the songs that tie it all together, but it just begins it seems as though she is like the student of life. And by the end of that project, it's like, she is now sort of the master. She's now the teacher herself.
1: Right. Yeah. And I always liked, yeah, the, 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 uh, standard kind of hip hop interludes or like having skits in between songs or something like that. That's a little bit more played for humor and like giving people a little break from, you know, whatever the, the content of the music was. And this is like, something that enhances everything else that's happening on the album. And it, it feels like it's a part of a whole instead of something that's interrupting what's going on.
2: Yeah. And the fact that it's like kids, you know, who otherwise like, what do you, what do they know about love? Mm -hmm. (laughs) The Mm -hmm. fact that we're learning from them from this project, you know, I think it's a, also a testament to the fact that like, we are literally still all children figuring it out sometimes. Like it does feel that way.
1: Yeah. Yeah um this is a an aside something that is probably not that important but i thought it was very interesting she got a school principal to kind of uh orchestrate that and uh get the the kids together and stuff and that school principal is now the mayor of Newark New Jersey
2: what <laughs> that is so oh. Honestly, if that was like the biggest point of running his campaign, I can see why he got elected.
1: Seriously, yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> I'm voting for him. Yeah,
1: It doesn't even say anything about it on his Wikipedia page, which I think is something he should rectify. But um, yeah,
2: definitely, like IG bio, like that should be his like <laughs> yeah. his opening line at every party. Yeah, definitely. That's cool. Yeah. That's cool.
1: Time for a quick break because somebody's got to keep the lights on around here. But we'll be right back. But just thinking, uh, you know, we've been talking for all this time and haven't really even touched on the music yet. Um, yeah. Do you have like do, f- favorite tracks, tracks that speak to you the most?
2: Oh, it's so hard. Hmm. Um, it's super, it's super difficult with this record. I think that the song that ends the project, The Miseducation of Lauren Hill to me is just like a perfect piece of art. I think it, it just to me sounds like the summation of a whole lifetime of lived experiences and musical development. I can hear her influences like on some like Stevie Wonder ballad, kind of Roberta Flack sort of vibes, which is a lot of what I grew up on as well, which is maybe why I resonate with it that way. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think the title track from, from the album really hits to Zion as well. I feel like um, I've cried many times listening to that record. Just, you know, who can, who can tell that story other than her? I mean, the angst and the pain and the truth that is in that song is just like very undeniable. I think it's the rawest Mm -hmm. kind of vocal performance I've ever heard.
1: Yeah. Like, I think, The contrast between that song and X Factor, where Mm. to Zion, it's like she's absolutely overwhelmed with her love for this baby. Mm
0: -hmm. And
1: it was, you know, a sign of things to come that was going to become her life. That was the path that she chose was really just being a mother and having a life outside of the industry. But at the time, you know, I mean, even the storytelling in it where she's like people were pushing her to have an abortion, saying that it was like going to fuck her career and that she had to, you know, it was, it was crazy to have a baby right then. And she decided that she wanted to have a baby and it ended up being this totally magical, emotional thing for her. And mm-hmm. you can feel all of that in the song. I think sometimes you can read that someone wrote a song about something and go oh yeah i see the connection there and with this you can just feel it you know mm-hmm. that it's all just coming from her and i think you know people knew that she had just had a baby too so it was easier to connect but um yeah, yeah. really emotional yeah.
2: literally like singing this song being heavily pregnant as well it's like just i mean you can't make that up and yeah i think it still exists that that pressure today where women have to choose between having a child or having a career, Mm -hmm. you know? And, and she was like, I'm going to do both. Yeah. You know, she, she made up her mind at a time when, you know, the pressures must've been even greater, you know, Mm -hmm. but I think that she really kind of set the precedent too, for, for women who believe that, that they want to have a family and also have a career like that the two can coincide. But yeah, I also think that, Nothing even matters is the best duet mm-hmm. of all time.
1: Yeah, yeah.
2: Like there's just that when that song comes on, I feel like time literally stops.
1: <laughs> yeah, those those two voices together, um, it's yeah, just incredible. And you know, she was saying that she kind of modeled it after duets between Roberta Flack and Donny Hathaway, and. Mm yeah like I, I love Roberta Flack but I think Lauren Hill has a stronger voice than Roberta Flack does mm-hmm. and that kind of adds this it was like you know these two competing voices like I love the sound of d'Angelo's voice as well are not competing like blending together so perfectly it's it's really really incredible
2: such a beautiful blend yeah I agree whereas actually and I don't know if I' would, I would get dragged for saying this but like the the Mary J feature on the album, um, on i used to love him i'm like to me it sounds like mary's trying to keep up with lauren mm-hmm. <laughs> like like that was kind of just seems like almost like a misplaced pairing yeah. if you ask me i'm just like uh, we love we love to see two powerhouse artists and vo- voices on on a song together like that but it just didn't hit the same i think as as that d'angelo gel like the marrying of their tones
1: yeah, it, like I, I agree. I, I absolutely love Mary I I don't want to – if she's listening, which of course, of course she is.
2: I um, love you, Mary.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was – you know, they'd worked on some other stuff together. Lauren Hill wrote a song for um, uh, I think Mary J. Blige's fourth album um, that's really good. But with this, it felt much more like people trading verses rather than, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, the, having the voices intertwined and creating a song together. Um, but even then, even then I'll allow it. I, you know, there's everything on this is, is, um,
2: yeah, absolutely.
1: Yeah. Um, for
2: sure. For sure.
1: And also, you know, just talking about, um, X factor again, like that's one of my favorite breakup songs ever. Like the, her, she, her voice is so expressive. And her emotions are so close to the surface when she's singing and you can just hear how painful the whole thing has been, how fed up she is and um, just being like really frustrated and upset at the same time. And yeah, it just, it really, really comes through and she's singing, but it sounds like you're having this intimate conversation with her and she's just explaining what's been happening or she's having that conversation with, you know, presumably Wyclef um Mm -hmm. but yeah just like what a storyteller
2: for sure for sure I think it's like she again I'm so shocked that this woman was like 21 years old with this perspective on like love and loss but I think she put a lot of like relatability behind um those experiences and yeah through a breakup song like x factor just like made made a lot of people feel seen you know just with that yeah that swagger and that honesty whereas I think you know the the perspective that maybe was out there at the time was just this more like pristine polished kind of we don't you know talk about real shit this way Mm -hmm. or like you know just kind of a more like yeah a more kind of crafted perspective or like yeah, posi- way to position the artist like she she really just came out like this is me and this is my story and this is my pain. Right. You can hear it on that track for sure.
1: Yeah. And you know, the like you're saying how about how young she was. Um that's that just brings it back to me uh, this the the problem with that kind of um intense fame especially when it happens really quickly
2: Mm.
1: it seems to me like we we've got to find a better playbook (laughs) when that happens because like I just talked to somebody about Elvis the other day and at that time there was no template for that nobody nobody had been that famous before in that way Mm. so what could you do there wasn't anyone else you know you didn't have any examples to turn to but by the time this happened to Lauren there were enough examples and I feel like people need to, there needs to be some way when that happens to help people adjust to it so that it doesn't become overwhelming hmm. or, you know, do what Lauren did and just say, I don't want it. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's it, it's a very unnatural thing to happen to people and it's, it's pretty rare. It doesn't happen to very many people in the world, but mm-hmm. um, the intensity of that must be for sure pretty hard
2: super stardom crash course of some kind to to integrate into that new existence i think i don't know yeah i don't know if there's a lot of cases of people who have been able to do that seamlessly you know mm-hmm. or really be able to say long term that they're okay you know there's seems like there is definitely a price to pay for that kind of success mm-hmm. um and I mean, yeah, hearing her story and that of many others, like it, it, it definitely makes me reconsider what what my goals are <laughs> with my own music and artistry, you know, too. It's like, I don't, I, you know, we don't want to limit ourselves, but I don't know if I would like wish that on anyone. It's like, if you're willing to sort of give up your life for the art, then like, you know, we give, we give thanks for that, for her you know the sacrifices that she made to give us this piece of art but you know that's i don't think the desired outcome is no longer being able to have a life that feels like it's worth like living
0: right
1: and in some ways it's like it's a gamble putting yourself out there because you can't control how people are going to respond to your work once it's in the world so she could have put this album out and had nobody pay attention to it and her life would have carried on in a different direction and maybe that would have affected the way she felt about making music but who knows And also, what's the alternative, (laughs) you know, just saying, "Eh, fuck it, I'm going to be a secretary and I'm not going to, you know, I'm going to stay at home. I'm going to, you know, open a small business or whatever. Um, Yeah,
2: we can't have that. no. (laughs) No. (laughs) I mean, but also to consider that like one album is all it took to make these massive universal ripples for Mm. her. Like that was – Maybe all we needed from Lauren, you know, like who knows, who knows what would have come next. Like you're saying, like, not to say that it would dilute the story because it doesn't seem like she'd let that happen. Mm. But I think um, that just makes the whole, the whole story so much more powerful to know that like this is like her life's offering. Mm -hmm. Who knows? She's still around, you know, we're talking about her like isn't. But I think, I think, you know, if that is it, yeah, we give thanks. Like that was enough.
1: Yeah. And, you know, the ripples that it caused in her own life. But for one album to have this dramatic effect on the industry, on the shape of a lot of different genres, and just on the millions of people who love her music is a testament to the strength of this album. And like you said, maybe that's it. Maybe that's all that anyone needs. Um,
2: in a, a testament to the strength of a woman's intuition, mm. <laughs> <laughs> like the way that she was so alone, it seems, in the creation of this project and stepping away from like everything that she knew, all the, the people that she knew, like making this with, you know, new musicians that she had never worked with from Newark and just pulling people into the room that were like, you know, just unsuspecting mm-hmm. and her willingness to like go out on a, a limb and and make sure that she told her story. Like that's scary. That's scary as someone who who comes from like I'm sure a, you know more of an infrastructure of what the Fuji's what that was for her. And I I just I can definitely admire admire that trusting her gut on those instincts to create the project.
1: Yeah. Well it's almost uh I don't know if the anniversary has happened yet, but 25 years. And wow. uh, She posted some kind of cryptic thing saying, you know, tour dates are coming and she's going to play these songs in a way you recognize, which I guess I've never seen her, but I know people who have and she has a tendency to play these like 15 minute long versions of these songs and you can't really tell what it is until about, you know, eight minutes in or whatever. So hopefully there'll be less of that. Hopefully she won't. Keep people waiting for five hours for every show. Honestly, but... <laughs>
2: yeah. Look at her potentially taking people's feedback. That's so funny. Yeah, yeah, I, I don't know. I think I would. I would risk waiting for six hours. Like I don't. I. Mm. I hate to say it. I'm like, take all the time you need, sis. Like, I'll be there waiting <laughs> whenever <laughs> <Yeah>. you're ready.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. And also, she has not toured very much in her life, so who knows yeah. if she'd ever do it again. So. Right. Get your tickets, everybody.
2: When yeah, this is filled. the tour promo right here.
1: <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, I think that is a nice place to stop. Thank you very, very much. This has been really fun.
2: Yeah, for sure. I appreciate you having me. Thanks yeah. so much.
1: All right. Take care. Yeah, you too. Bye. Right. Well, wasn't that lovely? Thanks so much to Lockery for chatting with me. Her debut album, Elizabeth, is out now, and you should listen to it because it's really good. And that, my friend, is all she wrote for 2022. Thank you very much for listening throughout this year. Have a super fantastic and festive end of the year. And I'll be back for more fun in late January. And until then, bye.